0: You're listening to a Ben's Town and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Get ready for the Run It Again podcast. Huddle up, huddle up. Every week. You'll be hearing stories that take you beyond the daily sports grind. With unique insight from former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. Just feels like the college
1: football season discussion gets more and more complicated. And the mastermind
0: behind the greatest show on earth, Super Bowl winning coach Mike Martz.
2: I do think professional sports has such an impact on the American psyche that I think everybody's going to want to try and get this up and running in some version of it.
0: We'll connect you. Directly
2: to the source. And tell you what's really going on. Biggest issue is, and I think this is important, is they're not exposed to family either. Oh boy, that's going to be interesting. With conversations
0: and tales from guys on the inside. So click the button to subscribe for free. And you'll get episodes sent straight to your phone every week. It's Run It Again.
1: Welcome to Run It Again. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Marks. Don't forget to visit us on RunItAgainPodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Coming up, week three in the NFL and some people may be reaching for the panic button already. Coach Martz and I will tell you who and why. We want to turn the mic around now and hear from you, our listeners. Have a question for me or Coach Marx that you would like answered on our next episode of Run It Again? Just send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode and for a chance to hear your questions answered. You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. We'll be back after this message
0: hey it's jesse cage and every thursday i release an episode of a podcast i call first match it's your wrestler origin story podcast and this week an ecw legend joins the show just incredible actually uh, i don't talk about this a lot maybe i should four to five weeks into training i uh i was completely concussed my eyes were cross-eyed i was throwing up all the time I, i couldn't really uh do much in the ring, yeah. In wrestling, it doesn't hurt at all, right? Don't miss Just Incredible on first match this week wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Run It Again. Now here's Ron Bits with the coach Mike
1: Marts. There's been a developing story, and it's a big one. The Vikings and the Titans have temporarily shut down their facilities due to an outbreak, and the outbreak is on the Titans in eight. Uh, eight people in the facility, some are players, some are administrative people uh, have have tested positive. And that's after the two teams played each other. So as a result, as a, a response to that, the league has has asked the Vikings to go ahead and shut down their operations temporarily right now as well. So both teams have have suspended or or, or drastically reduced operations until they can get things stabilized here. That's about all the information we, we've got on it, and I, we know there's a lot more going on. And that's not saying that, you know, football work still isn't going on, but, Mike, it's Tuesday, and Tuesday's a heavy, heavy install day. So how are they working around this?
2: Well, Tuesday, normally our players all always had Tuesday off, so it was a real <clears> – <throat> Big preparation day in terms of game plan, you know, getting ready uh, for Yeah, when that's what I meant by install. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's a huge, huge work day for the coaching staff. Players usually have it off. So uh, I don't think it's going to affect the coaches uh, necessarily a great deal. Um, I think probably the biggest issue is, from my knowledge, just reading the article, everybody was asymptomatic. So they'll have to retest in a few days. And if nobody shows any symptoms, and you know, if they test negative and how, whatever the protocol is. And the worst case scenario would be uh, postpone the game and, and replay it at the end of the season, I guess. Um, but we'll just have to see uh, where it goes from here. But uh, we knew this was going to happen. The league, I'm sure, has, you know, prepared for this. Uh, they had to know that something like this would happen and there has to be a protocol that they put into play. So we'll just see how, how it pans out.
1: And of course, there's a little bit of a connect the dots effect with this. The fear is that, OK, a couple positives on this team now slip to the next week's game and they, they infect guys on the other team and then it starts to spread exponentially. That, that is, that's like the, the uh, medical uh, concern about this whole thing. For instance, the Vikings will play the Texans next week. So they don't, they don't, as right now they, they're saying they don't have any positives, but if they should, uh, and, and they, in fact, it spreads to the Houston Texans, you know, it, it, the number could triple and, 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 and so on and so forth. So that's, that's a concern there. And, I, and I, I understand exactly how they're trying to do it. Tennessee will be at home against Pittsburgh. So they want to make sure this, that doesn't happen. That's, that's the big thing. Because that could could really mess up uh, mess up a lot of a lot of things logistically, right? So we'll keep an eye on that one. And I got to go right to it. If you are, and when I say right to it, I'm talking about my what I was going to originally open up with. If you are Doug Peterson, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, what's your move right now with Carson Wentz?
2: Well, he's the same player that played so good here not too long ago. Uh, there's a lot that goes into this. There's a lot of moving parts around him. Um, I th- I think that uh, I don't know where they are from an X and O standpoint with him, where they've moved beyond, too far for him. or I don't know about the protections and the guys making plays for him or why he misses throws. There's something going on there. I don't know. Uh, but you have to draw it, and you you fall into these things. It does happen, and these uh, you just got to help him out of it somehow. And there's a, uh, you know, it's a mindset more than anything else. Uh, there's an energy that's just not there that used to be there, and you got to rekindle that somehow.
1: Right, and I know you're not big on dumping that that quarterback, and and that's that's for a lot of reasons. Man, that's your guy, right? That's who you've come into the season with, and you've told the press, you've told your players you know, everybody knows this is, this is our, our, our man. And when you change him out, you're basically saying to the team, okay, that phase has, has not worked for whatever reason, it's not working and we've got to go a different direction. Sometimes that can be a good thing. Sometimes teams don't recover too well from that.
2: Well, you put a lot of trust. There's a trust that's been built between you and that starter, um, uh... And that trust is really hard to break. Uh, at some point though, performance overrides that and you just, you know, you got to make that change, you know, cause it affects the entire team, but you have to hang in there as long as you can with them. I think right. that more than the physical aspect of it, there's something, like I said, there's an energy, there's a confidence that's just not there yet or back or whatever the case may be. And, and until that gets reinstalled, uh, and it can not happen. I've done that before with quarterbacks. I was at Arizona State, uh, Van Rappawurst, who was at Rose Bowl MVP and had a great career for us. But initially, his first starts after four games, we had to bench him. Or three games, we had to bench him. He was just terrible. And uh, we suffered another two weeks. And then in practice, uh, we didn't even practice him much. And then uh, we we got him in some drills, and he started catching fire again. And then from that point on, he was great. Guys go through this. Everybody goes through it at some point in your career as a quarterback. Um, I don't know. There's it's too easy of to an answer, but there's a lot of moving parts around into that to be looked at.
1: That's what I was going to say, Mike. There's so many moving parts, and Doug Peterson's answer to a reporter was pretty good. He said, "How many passes have you thrown? How, how many how many dig routes and bang eights have you thrown?" Right. You know, the mechanics of, of the operation are just much deeper than people think.
2: Well, uh, you look at you look at Rogers up there at Green Bay, and you know the numbers they put up on the the yeah. board were telling. The talent at wide receiver when he first went in there, his first year as a starter, remember he was just getting criticized because of all the sacks. Well, they weren't any good in the offensive line, yeah. But he was he was getting blamed for that, and then you know there was a, a short period of time he didn't have any receivers. You know they and they they generally get all these guys from late rounds or mid rounds or. Free agents and you know, they just kind of build that way. But um that those are all major factors for a quarterback. You know, who you're throwing to and the protection and how well they're picking that up. And there's enough to worry about, you know, when you have that ball in your hand of uh, completing the ball, if you have to worry about whether a guy's gonna get the job done or not, then that's yeah. not a good thing. Yeah, that's true.
1: So Mike the Chiefs and Ravens got together on Monday night. It uh as as promised and expected it was the Pat Mahomes show to begin with, but you know what you notice watching this team, man? They they uh, they spread that ball around and uh, he he makes it look so
2: easy. He does. You know, I think one of the things about him uh, they're very creative on offense and they they're exploring new things with him and uh, he embraces that uh, he's in such control of the game at all the time to make any difference what the score is if they're behind by two touch, whatever it is he's in control and he's they do so many different things with them there's there's nothing routine about what they do and, and I think in Baltimore they're more of a routine more of a this is what we do type of offense and um, and I think uh, they've really married to the running game, and rightfully so. Uh, but I don't think they're nearly as creative with Lamar as, as uh, obviously they are with Patrick. I do think this, though. You know, they're such—they're so good in the offensive line and good at running the ball, regardless of the score. I think I would have liked to see them run the ball more. They're so good. What they did to the Chiefs up front was—you know—I've—I I don't know when I've ever seen an offensive line, knock another team off the ball like they were doing. So the, I just felt like he went off on his own a little bit too much at the end, trying to do something that uh, uh, tried to be creative when he didn't need to. He, his eyes definitely were coming off receivers quickly. And yeah. when that happens, it's hard to bring a quarterback back. I'm, I'm concerned about his future. In my experience, when quarterbacks start looking at the protection for a place to run, that's it. They're done. You know, and I, mm, I think that's a, a habit that you, it's very hard to break. Uh, that's kind of a Cam Newton kind of a thing, and right. uh, he's too good to do that because he is—he's got some terrific passing skills. And, but by the same token, Ron, last night they, he missed two throws. You just don't miss. And that ball going down the sideline—why he ter- tried to throw a rope in there? It didn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know the Ravens, they were the top defense in the NFL in terms of scoring. They they came into that game giving up only 11 points per game. Now, the flip side to that is they had played Cleveland and Houston coming into this game, two teams that, that are struggling and trying to find their way to, to say the least. Well, the but, other part
2: of that is that, you know, they dominate the clock. Yeah. So, you know, they dominate the clock, go down, kick a field goal, get a score or two, and then people are playing from behind. Yeah. And you sit on that ball for a seven- or eight-minute drive, and they go three and out, you get the ball back again. So I think that has something to do with it. But they're really a dominant offensive line. I I just felt like he didn't play that game with any real discipline. I don't think the coaches did a real good job of having answers for him against their pressures. They had guys coming free all the time. They didn't move a protection, which is fine. We never did either. But then you've got to have some built-in hots – to get that ball out, you have to have better answers for that pressure than than what they did, I think, last night.
1: You know, the tight end, Andrews, I, I want to say right before the half ended, I think they targeted him seven times at one point, and he only had two catches. I mean, he, he couldn't seem to find the handle of the ball and... There were throws that were there, so he had drops. He definitely had drops. In well, he
2: that tight end had two real big drops. And yeah. The one down the middle, that thing—if it doesn't oh. score, it's going to be a huge play. But yeah. But still, that, that you know that ball should have been caught. If there's one he threw, that would have been a hard catch. But he, I mean, in the league—you make those catches. But still, those two throws that he, and then he missed a, a go right on the left side. You just, you know, the really great ones—you just don't miss those throws. If you miss one, that's once every you know eight games that might happen but man to miss two of them in one game in a big game like that you can't do that
1: with Saquon Barkley out uh, my my new favorite player to watch now is Edwards Clyde Hilary uh, the, the the running back there for Kansas City he he does a little of everything and talk about acceleration and speed you know for Andy Reid to get him you know, late in the bottom of the first round <laughs> that that's more than a steal
2: no question. It's almost unfair. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like picking up the phone call in Green Bay and saying, you know, look oh. what they did. And you know, oh.
1: <laughs> you know uh,
2: that, that poor quarterback, I, I tell you what, uh, Rogers, you know, to do what he's doing, uh, it's amazing. Just think if he had all the receivers that were there at that time, and I, I don't care how good that backup quarterback is. It, it makes no difference to me. But, you know, here's a great example of – you know, adding firepower and making your team better in the draft, and uh, man, oh man, it's uh, it was quite a pick for them. Yeah, the,
1: clearly Aaron doesn't have the same heat that Mahomes has. You know, Tyreek Hill and Watkins, boy, I, those guys are, are scary to look at, no less try to try to cover. But since we're talking about Green Bay, you know they went down and and beat up on New Orleans pretty well. Uh, had some some big plays made by some of his receivers, which I think helped. But to your point, they never really give Aaron Rodgers a big stud. He doesn't have anybody. He doesn't have the same complement of receivers that Patrick Mahomes has. Let's just throw that out there.
2: Just imagine uh, that receiver group with him. You know, and I, I just really believe this about quarterbacks. I always have, you know, Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes is a perfect marriage, and there's some there's some really talented quarterbacks are in some situations that, where they they just don't have a chance. They have no chance, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and I hate to say that about Burrow and Cincinnati because I think he's he is a phenomenal talent, and he will make them much better than what they really are. But they've they've got to raise their game, and when that happens, when that when there's a coexistence there between. Being creative and being on the edge as a coaching staff, and you know, really gearing things towards what towards what you have instead of just running a system uh, and taking advantage of talent. That's when it gets exciting. That's what they got going at Kansas City. Yep.
1: Dallas and Seattle. That was a fun game to watch. Dallas, for all intents and purposes, Dallas should be zero three. Yeah, they're they're not supposed to win that game uh, in Atlanta there, and, and so. Uh, when I watch Dallas play, there's pieces missing. And I and, and I I wonder why they're missing. I it's like they're on that verge of okay, they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it, and then they fall short. What what am I seeing there that's not right yet? Is it a from a coaching standpoint, is it a, is it a mesh of of everyone getting to know everyone still is some of it, you know, the COVID protocol, everybody's still in no training camp or, or preseason games. What is it?
2: They've always been to me a bunch of independent contractors <laughs> that have never really functioned as a team, you know, not in the state of California. Right. right. <laughs> they, the, they play, but they don't compete. Not as a team, you know, um, I, you know, for them to come out in two games and, and, fiddle around like they do in offense and fall down, fumble the ball and, and just stupid stuff early uh, with a, all the talent and firepower that they have. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't get it. I, and you can blame the quarterback if you want. I don't think it's his fault. There's something else going on there, but uh, the the problem that they had last year hasn't changed in the, the back end on defense, you know, two key yeah. third downs. Again, they got them off the field and they were holding down the field and, and they, Continued drives and, and took it into score. So um, the, until they get that problem solved, they were better up front. I've, I really felt like defensively, even though the score wouldn't indicate that. But I'm watching technically what they're doing defensively up front, and they're they're getting a lot better. Uh, they're really good against a the run. They're starting to rush a pass for a little bit, but they don't compete as a football team. They're just that energy, you know, that you see us out of the Rams, for instance, in Seattle and. Even Green Bay and, and those teams, you just don't see yeah, that. You're, you're right.
1: That's a great point, Mike. That That's a huge point. Uh, I, wh- where did DeMarcus Lawrence go? Is he still in the league? Yeah, he right. got that big contract last year. I haven't heard his name called. There was a point in the game where I had to look to see if 90 was on the field. And at one point, he wasn't on the field. He was doing a crucial drive.
2: But see, to me, when you hire coaches, when you hire players, when you evaluate them, Talent is one thing, but if that talent's not married with just an innate competitive spirit that just can't be quenched, a thirst that can't be quenched, you know, you just – you have to have top-notch competitors. And they've got talent, but I don't know how – you know, as a team, they just don't compete like you would think they would. You know, they're just underachievers.
1: Is that from administration down? I mean, is that from Jerry Jones coming down and people aren't comfortable because you never really know if you're going to be there long you'll make changes or is that just the- i
2: think it's like working at ford motor company you know it's a culture there uh and you have a, a maybe the guy that's runs your department comes in and he wants to make some changes or he all right we're going to do things differently and everybody says yeah right you know i think that's kind of what it is a little bit I this culture that's been created there that i don't know who's Whoever goes in there and coaches doesn't make much difference. I don't think, you know, because they know that that guy, whoever's coaching the team doesn't make those those decisions. Right. So um, to some extent, I think uh, it's going to be really hard to change that culture. Um, You know, when, when players listen to you as a head coach talk and they feel like you're in control of certain things that affect their future is different than if it's to listen to somebody, uh, you know, talk that, you know, has no bearing on, on your future whatsoever. It's just different. And I think that has yeah. something to do with it.
1: Well, if Dallas is a Ford motor company, then Seattle is Tesla and they've got uh, their Elon Musk throwing the football. Russell Wilson just seems so in control. And I love the energy on this team. And now, just the opposite of what you said, Pete Carroll, he, he you know, he's going to coach, Pro football, like he's coaching college football, everybody's jumping around. Everyone's fired up. I, I I, admire a coach's ability to be able to get that out of guys that are all making millions of dollars and have just about everything they want off the field. That That's not always easy to do, to, to get people to play like that. And they, they do it. But it starts with Russell Wilson.
2: Well, but, you know, here's the thing about Pete. Uh, we we played Pete in the playoffs here uh, when I was at the Bears. It was the last time I think I competed against him. and we were up on them. Uh, shoot, I, I get I think thirty-one to seven or something like that in that second half, and all of a sudden they just they just didn't they just there's no quit to them at all. Mm-hmm. They hammered and they hammered and they hammered. all of a sudden they come back and we're scrambling in a four minute drill to to ice the game, and they're within reach. So that he he is such a innate competitor and that's his personality and he wears it on his sleeve and not all guys do that Belichick probably doesn't but you don't think he is a top-notch competitor for instance so yeah yeah. and but they are the at the apex and down to Cowboys Mike's not at the apex he's just not and they know that and so it they listen to you but They'll they'll look at Jerry over in the corner and say, uh, "What do you think? Is that okay?" You know, and right once that right. when that situation exists, it's just going to be what it is. You know, it's just not going to change.
1: Yeah, you can't coach and look over your shoulder at the same time. I, I get the feeling that Pete up there in Seattle, he's got a lot of control and a lot of things run through him in that building.
2: Well, That's same important. thing in, in New England. Yeah. You know, uh, that's just where it is. And, and San Francisco is similar in some respect. There's a great relationship there in the front office and the head coach. Yeah. And, um, the really top teams in the league are built that way.
1: Yep. Moving on, Rams-Bills. That was an interesting game. Uh, talking to a good friend of ours, a guy you'll know very well, G- Mr. Jackie Slater, the Hall of Famer. We were talking before the game, and I said, so what, what do the Bills have to do? to handle Aaron Donald, and they said, oh, that's easy. You just got to stay in run-down-like situations. In other words, when he can come after the passer or when it's long down in distance, you're going to have a problem blocking him. In the first half of that game, that's exactly what happened. Buffalo was controlling the game with the run, and they were handling Aaron Donald. Then in the second half, things starting to tighten up, and it was a totally different game, and they lost control of Donald. And that's when things got out of hand, and Buffalo was lucky to win that game, I think.
2: They were uh, – but good teams are lucky, you know. They just yep. are. Uh, but they, you make your luck. I, I just kind of believe that, too. It goes along with that energy and the competitive thing. So I've, I thought the quarterback was played one of his best games, Josh Allen. I, I sure just could. think he's still – Getting better. I think he is, in the next few years, I think he'll, he'll, he will emerge as one of the premier players. I really do. Uh, and I didn't feel that way about him before.
1: Mike, but, I didn't know he was that strong. Oh, he he was doing things. He's throwing D-linemen away. You're, he's one hand in Aaron Donald and pushing another guy, spinning, spinning changing hands with the ball throwing the ball with his other hand it's just crazy
2: he is you think cam's big when you see this guy in person he's like i said it's a, that's a big shadow that's it's a, a big, big shadow. shadow he um I, I just think when he it looks like he's starting to learn how to play in the league yeah. you know not do dumb things he still has a dumb player every now and then but he had some real uh, egghead plays early in his career that tainted his reputation to some extent, and rightfully so. But he's learned how to play the game. More importantly, they are really well coached. They're really well disciplined, and they are physical. And yeah. he has no choice but to get better. And I think, you know, you look at the top teams again, uh, they're in shape, and they're physical, and they don't beat themselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of Ram fans are complaining about the interference call, so let's go to this. Call it what you want. Yeah, I've seen calls. I've seen those get called. I've seen them not get called. But Rams fans need to pipe down because they gave you one. They gave you one on that interception by Johnson. Oh, yeah. Uh, That that, that was not an interception. And at very worst, it should have. Right, right. At very worst, you know, you should have gotten an offensive pass interference or whatever. But bottom line is a lot of stuff goes on the game call-wise. I mean, heck, they were, they were taking shots at Josh Allen that I don't think you could take at Aaron Rodgers and not get flagged for it.
2: Oh, if, if that was Russell Wilson back then. Oh, Russell he, Wilson? Yeah, yeah. Th- you know, there's flags all over the field. But yeah. the, the pass interference, it, to the letter of the rule, it was pass interference. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it just was. The, the one in the end zone down there, he had control going in the end zone, hit the hit the ground, the guy took the ball away from him. I don't understand how that could be. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, we had these discussions on the competition committee, you know, uh, for years when I was on there, and that uh, used to frustrate me. Just, just, you know, impart the rule, and just to the letter of the law and the rule, just do that. Would you please, you know, be consistent with? Be consistent.
1: Yeah, right. That's that's what you want. You just want consistency. Raiders and Patriots. I thought the Raiders were looking pretty good early in the game. They they were they were making plays. I thought uh, the quarterback was making throws. Carr, and they were catching the ball. And then it's it just they, it's like they couldn't keep up that pace. And I think there was a turnover in there. And like we were talking about turnovers, all of a sudden the momentum can change. I don't feel like the Patriots played great at all. And Cam Newton has said that, you know, I got to be better. We got to be better. Blah, 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 blah. But I also know that Bill Belichick is pretty good at not emptying his bag for someone else to see and doing just enough to beat you.
2: Well, I, I do think uh, they do a better job of adjusting uh, during game than anybody. Uh, Bill's always been that way. Um, the one thing that they did is they started to pressure Carr. Early in his career, he was pretty yeah. decent at handling pressure. Right now, he's not for some reason. Uh, his eyes have – he's holding the ball a little bit more than he really should. Uh, you know, and I think as the game goes on, that's kind of the book on him a little bit. And it, you know, they're just not as disciplined as they need to be to, to win games like that. You know, I looked at Cam. Cam was awful in that game. I mean, that might be one of those worst performances. I thought he was really bad.
1: Yeah, I wasn't impressed. With and he wasn't man,
2: focused. Man. He wasn't – it just – I don't, I didn't get it. But they they won anyway. They just – they're like a machine. They just – they do what they got to do. Every They play every play like it's the last play. They're, they try to get perfection on every snap. And they know what they're doing. They don't beat themselves. That's just the trademark of his teams.
1: Yeah, We don't have time to get into this, so I'm going to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I'm, I'm, I'm breaking down the Patriots' defense. And they, they do some interesting things on defense. I can see how offenses could get confused on counting who's a defensive lineman, who's a linebacker. Because at times they will stand everyone up except two down linemen, two tackles, and in in, in essence, will p- play with like five linebackers. And in other times, you'll see, you know, a thirty front. You'll see three down linemen. How much of a problem does that present for offenses, or for yeah, for offenses?
2: Well, we didn't because of how we did our rules. It didn't really bother us. Uh, it's a beginning in, uh, of a 30 defense. That's the inception of it. Uh, Begin, right. That's the base. It's yeah. a base. And so yeah. what he's always done, he has always had a terrific linebacker crew. He's always carried more backers yep. than anybody else yeah. for a lot of reasons, for what you're talking about, plus on special teams. Yeah. They do so many different things with them that, uh, you know, we, for the very first snap of the game, we, we played them on Sunday night up there in New England. In the very first play, we have two tight ends, two backs, and one receiver in the game. So there's just one wide out in there. They had four down linemen, and the rest were all DBs. That's how they started the game. And, and he'll do things. So who do you call the Mike Backer? Right. Well, Mike Backer's not even in the game. You know, so you have to – you for a defense like that, you've got to just hang on to your rules. They're just birds. Not get hung up on numbers of guys and what they play. Just look at their location and just abide by the rules of your – blocking schemes and that's what he does to you if if you go in and you have number 57 as a mike backer all week in practice and he's and then you line up against him and all of a sudden he's playing outside it just you know he knows those things and he messes with you so yeah uh yeah. You, you've got to be disciplined in your system when you go to play him because he's going to challenge that
1: yeah that's a great insight well that's another show we could spend on that breaking down how they do their defense? Uh, Bengals, Eagles. Uh, would you have gone for that tie if you are Cincinnati at the end? There, uh, they they didn't bother to even throw a hail mary and do anything like that. I I've got my feeling it, but I, I want to know what you think.
2: Well, you just got to do everything you can to win, no, no matter what it is. You are just trying to win. Yeah, you know, you got to win the best way, uh, John Cooper. Win the surest way, you know, the, what gives you the best chance of winning, whatever that is, and that's your decision.
1: Yeah, yeah. John Cooper, though, Arizona State coach. Okay, yes, sir. That's right. Yep. So I think Cincinnati said, We're not going home with an L. We may not go home with a W, but we damn sure ain't going home with the L. <laughs> and they went, they're right. They went home with a T, a tie. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, I, you know, like I said, that's not winning. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I think you right. gotta do
2: everything you can to try to win a <laughs> game. But.
1: Right, right. All right, Coach, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message.
0: There are families that will go hungry tonight. Every day, people who have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The need is greater than ever before, and your neighbors need your help. Donate today to support communities facing hunger during this time of uncertainty. Every dollar you give can provide at least 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America Network of Food Banks. Please make a donation today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Welcome back. Here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Be sure to join them every Tuesday for a new episode of Run It Again. Let's take a closer look.
1: Okay, so at 0-3... And I know a couple of weeks ago, I said, okay, because there's no training camps, people are going to ease their way into this year, this season, so to speak, and don't really look at anything until week four. So we got eight teams that are 0-3, Falcons, Vikings, Eagles, Giants, Bengals, Broncos, Texans, Jets. All right. Uh, do any of these guys start reaching or even looking at the panic button? And I don't even know what the panic button is, but since you know everyone in the media says that, and I've... Been a part of the media, I'll say the panic button, well, whatever the hell that means.
2: No, I mean, there's 13 games left. I mean, you a lot of things can happen, uh, I mean, and will happen. So, there are a couple of those teams that um, are just bad football teams, and you know, it's yeah, without getting into which ones they are, there's two of them there that are just really bad. And panic isn't the word I would use, I just they'll probably change at the end of the year,
1: yeah, yeah. Panic, fired, same word, different context. So let's move on to next Sunday's games, and whew, let's start off with this one. This is a hot one: Patriots Chiefs, and that game is in Kansas City. Could be, could be interesting.
2: Well, yeah, and it's. I think the Patriots have a great chance of winning the game if if Cam will not try to win this thing by himself, you know, and, mm-hmm. and be have the discipline of what they do. Um, I think that uh, they will do everything they can to stymie uh, the Chiefs in terms of the big ball, long ball, the the speed that they have, so to speak. They'll take away the things that they feel they really do well. That's what Belichick will do. And then they'll try to um, really hang on to the ball. I really believe that they'll try to put those seven to eight-minute drives together and either leave the ball deep in their own end zone down there inside the 20 or get points out of it and make them go to the long haul. So uh, it'll be a hard game for New England to win. I don't think they can beat the Chiefs, but, you know, it's Belichick, and if anybody knows how to do it, he does. I think
1: Cam is going to – well, and this could be the mistake. He's got to be a better passer, and he knows it. He said it. I wouldn't be surprised if Cam tried to mimic – Mahomes and start doing more with his legs.
2: Well, I think that's what happened to Lamar and that's the trap you fall into. Yeah. When you have a quarterback like that and you're playing that guy, you're going to try and outplay him. It's a one-on-one duel and that's the worst and that's what I was saying about Cam. He can't try to win this by himself. He's, you know, he's got to maintain the discipline of what they do and Cam is a very lazy passer and by that I mean he, he has such a strong arm, he just waits the last second to get, get it out of there. Instead of anticipating throws and putting it on guys quick. And, you know, I just don't know how much of a reprogression type of guy he really is. And he's learning those things. And I think he's stubborn. I've been around him enough to know that he's, okay, I got it. That's kind of his mentality towards some of that stuff. And that doesn't fly there. And that's why I think New England's the best thing that's ever happened to him. Because it's going to make him learn football at a different level. And if he'll accept that, you know, and and continue to grow, then – you know, we'll see. I think this is a great marker for him this week against the Chiefs to mark his progress as a you know as being a, a disciplined player that you can count on to win in tough situations.
1: You made that point last week. It would be interesting to see what would have happened if he went to New England first.
2: Well, it's- just like I said before, though, Ron, I, I, people don't know how important it is when you're a talented guy like he is. Patrick Mahomes, you know, if where would he be if he went to Jacksonville, you know, that kind of a thing. Right, um, right. I hate to say that, but it's just the way it is. So much of your development in your career in the league is a quarterback. Now, particularly a quarterback, not so much anyplace else, because if if what if they're a system and you run that system and you stay within that system, you'll never grow. You know, mm-hmm. you could, like what they've done with Mahomes. Andy, he's taken him wherever he can take him, you know, he, he's challenging him every week with different things, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, and I think that's, there's a marriage there that's really important, and I think with New England, nobody, I think, does it better than, than Bill, and uh, I just think that he's the discipline of, of this game and how you play the game is a perspective that you have to learn right away as a rookie, and sometimes you don't get that.
1: There's a great stat that they threw up in the Monday night game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has the second most points by a quarterback in his first 25 starts in NFL history. So now it's 26 starts and it's more points. You know who number one is? You should know.
2: No, <laughs>
1: no. Uh, some guy named he used to work in a supermarket and he, played in arena football oh, there, Kurt, Kurt Warner. Yeah. He, yeah. He leads it with 865 points. I don't know. Someone, someone said that his coach was pretty good. I don't know if that was true either, but
2: no, I, you know, I, th- <laughs> I think, yeah. Right. I think the biggest deal is with a guy like Kurt, they're, they're just hungry and to make them do the same stuff over and over again, uh, almost as a disservice, you just challenge them every week and you become a facilitator the only thing I'll take credit for with that stuff at all is I didn't screw them up. I let him play. Well, that's, you know, that's I a big credit. I didn't try to not. make them. I didn't put uh, the brakes on them. You know, uh, we took the emergency brake out of the car completely. <laughs> he took and you crash, you crash, but car. we're gonna we're gonna run at full speed. You know, and then whatever happens, happens. And you know, we, we were criticized a lot for that, but it was a lot of fun.
1: That's a great line. I got to remember that one. Just, just, just disassemble it. Take it out of the car. You don't, you don't need it here, man. That's funny. I, I, uh, my father said, uh, he made a quote once. It was pretty interesting about what you're talking about. And, uh, it, it it was funny. He said, you know, the hardest thing as a coach is to know when not to coach. Yes. I was like, wow. And I always remember that because every, you know, everybody, I love this word genius. Oh, he's a genius. Oh, really? He's only coached for two years, but he's a genius? Okay. He was offensive coordinator last year, but he's a genius? You know, so we throw that word around pretty loosely. But you say, you know, the hardest thing is knowing when to, to, to look a million-dollar athlete in the eye and, and not say anything.
2: Yep. Let he's, him play. We used to have a, a saying, just don't coach him down to mediocrity. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, He's Yeah. Trying. They, they, they yeah, that's right. They did that with a, a kicker once in Rams camp when my father was coaching with the Rams. He was a special teams coach as well as running backs coach. That's how they did it back then. And uh, they brought in this kicking specialist for his kicker. And the kicker, his name was Rafael Septien. Oh, Ram yeah, fans I remember will remember him. this yeah, going yeah, back. Yeah. He was a hell of a kicker, right? So they bring in the kicking specialist. I won't say who it is, but they brought him in. And, uh, four weeks later, the guy successfully coached 15 yards off of his kickoffs. (laughs) It was beautiful. Yeah. They went forward there. So anyway, speaking of going forward, uh, Steelers and Titans, and we already talked about the Titans, uh, COVID-19 temporarily, temporary lockdown issue. So they'll have to deal with that. Steelers defense pretty solid now.
2: They are there. We knew going into the season that, uh, we felt they'd be a top-five defense anyway, maybe the best one. But they always are. You know, that's their moniker, so to speak. And, you know, Big Ben's back is, you know, the elbow looks like it's pretty good. And we know he's going to hold the ball forever. That's just what he does. The biggest test for them, uh, for the Steelers, will be how they hold up against the Titans running game. So, and that's what they're geared to. You know, that 30 defense and some of the things that they do, Ron, is very really difficult for offenses because – there's so few of them in the league that on mixed downs or the rundowns, when you – the whole idea there is to have that nose guard that forces a guard to help the center always. You know, if you have a center, he's never going to block a nose by himself. If he can, then you got to get out of that defense. That's the premise of that defense.
1: Yeah. And I like Mike Vrabel as a coach. I think he does some good things with that team. And this quietly is a bigger game than people uh, think it is. Both these teams are 3-0, and so – we're going to keep an eye on that one the bills and the raiders hmm yeah that's a that, that that's a that's a mental game i think for buffalo you know you're going to go to vegas for the first time and i know it's it's protocol and people aren't at the game and all that but you're going to have to make sure your team stays focused on this one that's a team they can beat but i know how the raiders play they're going to try to springboard after a loss against the patriots and come back out swinging
2: well, you know, just watching the Bills, the discipline and the energy that they have and being as physical as they are and the premise is on defense and run the ball well. You know, they don't beat themselves. All the things that you look, you talk about when you talk about Belichick and the Rams and, and whatnot, I just don't – I think winning that game is a big boost the way they won it. You know, they, they look like they're going to lose and then come back and win it. You can – I mean, you can absolutely energize a whole season – take off on something like that. I've had that happen before on one play or two plays where you get a big win like that early and it just energizes you and you can feed on it for a long time.
1: Yep. I like the Singletary, the running back for the Bills. I think he's very productive. Their, their line is built to pound you, as you would imagine for a team playing in cold weather. I, I, I worry about their secondary, Mike. There's something I, I didn't like the way they play man. I, I, I you know I see I see corners in the slot inside playing outside shoulder and trying to chase crossers and the Rams just destroyed them on that and they, they could do whatever they want I don't know why they someone thinks that technique works
2: well some of that too the safeties are way out of position way you know,
1: out of position those corners yeah.
2: are expecting help and they didn't get it oh I wow. so yeah. what's happened in the, this running game in the league has changed so much from the college influence that? Some of these options, the safeties got to hang around a little bit. So these hard play actions, the safeties aren't in position to help in man coverage. And I just, there's almost too much man coverage in the league right now. I don't get it.
1: Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what I'm seeing because guys can't, they can't run. They're not, they're not taking care of their man. They're chasing huh. too much stuff.
2: Right. You know, and there's just no help. You know, they're trying to keep, they they not play man, but they You know, they want the safeties downhill on certain things and. Can't have uh, both. You just can't have both, you know. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta make them prove that they're gonna beat you. Run the ball, which is heresy from old school, but uh, you yeah. the safety play right now is not very good. There's some plays that should have been made here uh, last night, even with the help of safety, and they just didn't get over and make it.
1: That's a great point, Mike. The Patriots and the Cowboys' safeties, both responsible for deep balls to DK Metcalf of Seattle, and and I I broke down the play. And I don't know what they were looking at in their brackets, and some of it is what you said. You know, they they want these safeties to be gung ho, flying like a crazy man, you know, as soon as they see run. But the flip side to that is play action on you. You don't have a chance.
2: There's still landmarks that they can't give up on the field.
1: Yeah, they're in, they're giving them up.
2: They're giving up. So they you know? they they're reading they're keen to You know, when they're looking at the quarterback, and they have a rod, in, you know, so much of that is if a, if number one goes here, then you. You turn and bracket this guy. You know how the, all the rules are. You've been there. You, you, but he turned and tried to help, and he just got out of position. He got off his landmark. You can't be in that position. He gave up half the field just by alignment.
1: Give up half exactly half the field. Yeah, the Patriots safety uh, in in the uh, in that game, he's he leaned to the other side of the field. He leaned. And he was playing deep. Nowadays, they have the safeties deep. They'll be twenty damn yards deep on third down. But he's leaning away from Metcalf. Metcalf has to be the first guy that can beat you down the middle of oh, the yeah. field. So yeah. I don't, I don't, you know. But then again, then again, I hey, I'm 57 years old. I'm not in the meeting room. So but the, there's
2: so little of the zone uh, anymore. Uh, you know, there's there's some quarter defense. You just don't see cover too much at all anymore.
1: No, uh, no, that's
2: exactly. I saw some. Three buzz, you know some of that stuff, but there's just not a whole lot of man covers a lot of combinations and a lot of brackets and whatnot. But yeah, you know the landmark stuff and guys breaking on the ball and they're just the league's got too many great quarterbacks that can uh, throw a tomato through a locomotive. You know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> tomato through a locomotive. That's a good one, Raider fans. Uh, I like your kid Abram, number twenty four. He's a safety. Uh, he's a big hitter. Now, he, he will lay you out. Uh, he's not a good open field tackler, though. He's got to get better at that. But if he can line you up and put the crosshairs on you, he'll he'll split your chin.
2: You got to wrap him up, don't you?
1: Yep, yep. Uh, Saints-Lions. Lions pulled one out. I don't know how the Cardinals lost the game. I watched the whole thing. And uh, the quarterback didn't play well. Kyler Murray didn't play well. I, I think he's going to have issues. If you keep him in the tackle box, Mike, I don't think he can see downfield. Like he needs to. No, in the Middle of the
2: field. No, and and you know, Russell Wilson initially had the same issues. Mm-hmm. You know, he got used to it and he could find those passing lanes and then just started to, you know, get the ball out. He's gonna to adjust to that. You know, because in college you could you can get back at ten yards and set back there. In the NFL, you can't do that. That's a sack zone. So you you know, the magic point in a pocket in the NFL is somewhere between six to eight yards from the from where it snapped. And you get the ball and you get back at 10 yards and you stay there, you're going to get sacked because that's the, the angle coming off the edge for pass rushers, the tackles have got no chance. Yeah, and You can sit there and move up in the pocket, and, which we used to do all the time. But he's just – he gets back and he levels back there a little bit too deep sometimes because he wants to see. And he's going to have to learn to get up in there and trust and, and get that ball out sooner.
1: Bears and Colts. This was in Chicago. This one will be in Chicago. Nick Foles is is the man again. People have been screaming it. They uh, sat down, Trubisky. So here we go back with the Nick Foley and dynamite. I he was the, dynamite last week. I
2: love the question after the game on some of the programs. Well, he's going to announce. Uh, Next week, who are the stars going to be? Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, please. It, it, it please, was please.
1: Uh, it, it was pretty pretty much announced there yeah. after, after that comeback win. So yeah, they're going to take on a good team. They're going to play uh, India Indianapolis, and that's in Chicago. You know, so we'll uh, we'll see what Foles can do.
2: Chicago wins that. I, I think that I whole think team so. has just been energized by Foles, and yeah. how he got labeled as a backup, I'll never know. <sighs>
1: Mike, some guys, to me, just get the job done. They don't have anything else. They look terrible in practice. They don't have the credentials. They didn't look good in the combine. Maybe didn't even get invited to the combine. Whatever it is, but it all comes together. And then other guys have all of that other stuff, but they can't get the consistent W for you.
2: I tell you what he does that Trubisky will never be able to do because he he just doesn't seem to react. He anticipates throws so well. He he'll stand in there and just get hammered and like he did the last touchdown. Just get hammered and let the ball go on as a strike. Is he athletic? No. Uh but what he does, he anticipates throws and he makes throws under duress. And he has absolutely revived a dead team emotionally. You know, they're I think right now they're probably one of the more hot teams because of the change.
1: Well, if you can't make the throw under duress, then what good are you to us?
2: Well, that's a a pretty easy question to answer. (laughs) You know, Ron, it really is. (laughs) Right?
1: All right, man. Well, that was fun. Love talking football with you. Enjoyed it. All right, man. We'll see you next week.
2: All righty.
1: I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. It's now time to turn the mic around and hear from you, our listeners. Got a question for me or the coach? Just send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure to join us next Tuesday as we answer some of those email and social media questions, and we'll hand out rookie progress reports. That should be interesting. Don't forget to visit us on runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Remember, we're just two old pros trying to make you think of them. Be
0: safe and stay healthy, everyone. Run It Again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz, a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Networks production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ted Woods, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Run It Again Podcast.